Uh, welcome, everyone. My name's Ryan. I'm with Ben. Um, for those of you guys who are joining us for the first time this morning, uh, each Sunday, as we've been working through our Dangerous Vision series, we're taking the time uh, just to get to know someone here at church who um, has been wrestling with that particular um, ministry focus um, that we've been looking at. So we've looked at MAG, uh, mission, membership, and now this Sunday we're looking at um, maturity. So I've got Ben with me. Um, mate, do you want to tell us who, who Ben is? I'm Ben. If we haven't met, um, you've probably seen me up here a little bit. Um, so I'm a disciple of Jesus, first and foremost. Um, I'm a husband to Mel. I've got three little boys. I'm a father too. Um, and I'm also a son of God as well. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah, cool. Thanks, bro. Um, Hey, and so as you see yourself as a disciple, um, you know, as you try and prioritise your relationship with God, how has that shaped um, family work for you? Yeah, so um, recently I've been focusing more on what it means to be a son of God and also as a father to kids and all that kind of thing. And something that's been awesome to look at is the relationship that Jesus had with his father and also the relationship that Jesus had with his brothers and sisters around him. Um, and that's kind of what I've been yeah, wrestling with and it's been really great to look at and just see how Jesus modelled um, a perfect relationship with the father, like that vertical relationship and then also... As he focused on that, his relationships with his brothers and sisters around him were also perfect, because he was perfect. But um, yeah, kind of the upwards and sideways. Yeah, and has that changed the way you found you've related to your boys and, and to Mel? Yeah, um, it's changed the way that I want to relate to them, but it's a really hard thing to do. Um, so I think, yeah, I need prayer in that. Definitely for home time. Um, just trying to love my boys in a way that um, God the Father loves Jesus and God loves us. Mm. Um, not comparing, which I generally, I think lots of us do, compare to what our dad did to us or what our dad would love us like or whatever. I think earthly dads have, like they're sinful, like all of us, and it's really hard to model your father, your father relationship on what your dad did. So I'm kind of wrestling with focus on God and what he did and how he loved us and trying to implement that through mm. family and at work in my leadership yeah. um, and also in my growth group and things like that. Yeah, cool. And so uh, for you, like you've been showing me, this has been a bit of a journey for you, kind of what, yeah, growing your relationship with God. What has that been like for you? Yeah, my relationship with God, I'm in my early 30s um, and I think like looking back from where I am now, um, there was a big turning point earlier this year but then before that, I feel like the 10 years leading up to um, this year, 2019, were really, um, I learnt a lot and I think lots of people go through a huge journey after they leave school through their 20s where the world throws all this noise at you and you have home loans come up and you have um, work, you're trying to build a career and you're focusing on that. You might have a family that you try and focus on 
and the weight on us um, if we don't put it to God is such a huge weight. Mm. And I think I let that weight really build up for 10 or more years. And um, yeah, and it kind of got shaken and that helped. Mm. Um, and I guess out of that, I kind of have concern that if we all continue bearing that weight, it's going to, I don't know, it's a massive kind of wedge between us and God and those weights that we have on us that we try and bear ourselves, um, mm. it's going to break us. Yeah, mate, thanks for sharing your new story with us. Um, and so, like, how, yeah, God revealing that to you, how did that drive you to Him um, with that stuff? Yeah, so, I mentioned this year has been a big change for me and Part of that is um, I thought I had so much good stuff planned out for my life this year. Um, well, last year into this year, we have things going well for us. Like I've got a long-standing career. Um, we're starting to, you know, get into our 30s where we have money to invest and things like that. And I thought I had these great plans for my investments and things like that, and it didn't come off. And then I thought of my career was going to be my safe thing. And, and like, we had redundancies this year and I had to make people redundant. And that made my head hurt a lot. <laughs> um, but in that shaking, um, God's hands um, reached into me. And it's like, um, so I had these hard things going on all day at work had these pressures I had, um, trying to make the right decisions for my family, trying to look after them as good as I can. And um, I'd come home at night and I'd be drained, as we all would be, trying to work it out ourselves. Um, and then i get home and what do I do? Watch some TV, have a couple of beers. It wasn't fulfilling me or building me, me back up. It was actually adding to the negatives in my life. And I think that realisation, I was talking to actually Ryan and Tim one Sunday and I was like, I'm sick of it. Like, I've got all this pressure at work. I come, come, to, come home. My family's not what I want them to be. I'm not what I want to be. And also, I'm not being filled back up at the end of the day. I'm still empty. And then the TV and scrolling through the internet makes me more negative. Mm. And I just kept... It was such a great realisation that God brought to me to just say, look, Ben, you're doing the wrong thing. You got it all wrong. Um, mm. You got to focus on me in the morning, focus on me through the day and focus it on me at night. Mm. Thanks, brother. We're going to pray for you now. Um, and then we're going to read the Bible together. Pray for all of us. Sure. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for Ben. Father, we thank you for your grace to him and his life that you have brought him to know and love Jesus. Um, but most of all, as he works through um, what it means to be your son, that most of all, you're his father and you know him and that you love him, you've made him yours. And Father, we pray that that would be our experience of our relationship with you, that through the hardship of life, the messiness, even um, of that around us, but also inside of us, Father, that you would continue to move towards us in your loving kindness that we might come to taste and see what it means to belong to Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, brother. Um, we're going to read the Bible together. <coughs> yeah.
So we're not going to read all of that. I made it. I changed my mind. We're just going to read a couple of verses uh, from chapter 2 of Colossians. So if you do have a Bible, please turn to two, uh, Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to read verses, I think it's 6 and 7. Maybe it's 5 and 6, but kind of. Um, yeah, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. We're going to anchor ourselves in that passage um, and then spread out into the rest of Colossians and and hopefully be encouraged about what it means to grow in our relationship with God. Uh, But first of all, I want you to turn to the person next to you or around you. If you're sitting by yourself, turn back. Um, and I want you to share, where did you grow up? Where did you grow up? Go like 60 seconds, if that, 30 seconds. <clears throat> All right, done. Told you it'd be quick. Where did you grow up? It's interesting... All right, come back. I need your attention now. I know when you start thinking about growing up, oh, the memories come flooding back. Uh, But I wonder what growing up for you was like, what your experience was. Because it's a funny thing growing up. I think it's mixed with lots of experiences, people, emotions. You know, it's exciting growing up. Uh, But it's also scary Um, and challenging. Yeah, when you're young, you just kind of can't wait to do the next thing as a kid, what the uh, the big boys are doing. You know, for me, it was when I was playing rugby league, that was back in the days where you played barefoot, you know, for a while. And then, when you made it, you got to buy your first pair of footy boots. And I look forward to that. I wanted to grow up so I could wear footy boots. And then you kind of become a teenager and you think you're growing up, you want to be an adult, you want to, you know, do what the adults are doing and then you say something stupid and you just realise, man, actually, I'm, I think I'm still a bit childish and that's hard. Yeah, but then when you actually do become an adult, you continue to have the same experiences where you are confronted uh, with the reality that maybe you're not as grown up as you think you are. And that's tough. Because it's weird thinking about growing up as a grown-up. It's odd. But I think we experience that. And I think our experience uh, of growing up shows us that we're actually hardwired for growth. We're hardwired to mature And I think this is particularly true when it comes to our relationship with God. Now, whether you're someone who would consider that you have a relationship with God or not, regardless of where we might sit in relationship to God, there is still room for growth in that relationship, whether that's growing to know Him or growing to know Him more. And so what we see is when we kind of are confronted with the fact that there is room for growth, Yes, it can be scary 
It can be disappointing. But it also is a great opportunity. It is an opportunity particularly to know God more. And we're not alone in this because as we jump into the letter of Colossians, we meet a bunch of Christians who share that desire. They want to grow in their relationship with God. They feel that there's a lack, that there's room for growth. And like them, though, we might not need to be convinced that we need to grow, but we need to know how that growth happens. How does change happen? How does our relationship with God grow? And this is exactly the question uh, that Paul tackles in his letter to the Colossian church. And we see that at the heart of this relationship with God and growing in relationship with God is those couple of verses that we read out. Paul says, uh, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your life in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. You know, I find it interesting that Paul says the way forward is actually the way of going backwards. He says to go back. Go back to where you first began or how you first began your relationship with Jesus. Did you notice it? Just as you receive Christ, continue to live with him. In the same way you receive Jesus, in the same way that you came to know Jesus, in the same way that you began with Jesus, continue with him. And how did these Christians receive Jesus? Well, as we look back to chapter 1 of the letter of Colossians, Paul tells us. And so hopefully, by looking at how they came to receive Jesus, uh, we might get some clarity and make sense of what it is for us uh, to receive Jesus, but also to continue to receive him as we go on in relationship with him. So turn with me, uh, if you've got a Bible in front of you, to chapter 1, verses 3, or verse 3 to 8. It will be on the screen as well. Hopefully, yes. Uh, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we uh, pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. Uh, So all God's people the faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing through the world, uh, through the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. So what it means to receive Jesus, Paul says, uh, is to receive the gospel. It is to hear, understand and believe the message of the gospel. The gospel is uh, the good news of God about what his son came to do and who he is. It's the good news about who Jesus is and what he came to do. And the letter of Colossians Uh, crystallises this in a number of places. But let me just share one with you. In chapter 1, from verses 13 to 14, it says, The Father, God, He, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom 
we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. When we receive Jesus, we are receiving everything that he achieved in his life, death and resurrection. But the particular thing that we receive, perhaps the greatest thing that we receive out of all of this is that we come to know God. As we come to know the gospel, we come to know Jesus. But at the heart of who Jesus is, is that we actually come to know who God is. So to receive the gospel is more than just receiving a message. It is an invitation to know God, to know the God of the gospel. Because when we experience Jesus, we're actually experiencing God. Look at what Paul says about who Jesus is. They're on the screen for us. Chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God. Verse 19. uh, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Chapter 2, verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And then again in chapter 2, but verses 2 to 3. My goal, Paul says, is that you may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul says in a number of words that to know Jesus, to receive Jesus, is actually to come to know and receive God himself. And so when we hear the gospel, see it, hear it read in the Bible, this is God coming to us to talk to us. But this actually means something quite profound. This is God actually opening his heart to you, to us. Here is God opening himself up for us to know him to how much he loves and cares for you, to how much he wants you to be his child and how much he wants to be your father. And he gave his one and only son, the son he loves, so that you and me would realise that. And so when the Bible talks about knowing God uh, and talks about knowing, and particularly in connection with God, it means a relationship, a personal relationship where you come to know someone. A kind of relationship or a kind of knowing where you experience someone. Because when we know God, it not only means that we uh, relate with him in a personal way, it means that both God and us are personally invested in that relationship. In that relationship, we identify with one another personally and emotionally in each other's cares and concerns. So we're not only thinking of one another, but we feel for one another. It's interesting, uh, when Sarah and I first met, my wife Sarah and I first met, uh, we were at a ministry training conference down in Sydney, and when I first met her, um, I thought, man... She's beautiful, of course. Um, But the thing that jumped into my mind almost immediately after that was, man, there's no way she would want to know me. There's no way that she would even let me (laughs) 
get to know her. It's a funny thing, right, about getting to know someone. It's not just that you're willing to know them. They have to be willing to, uh, to let you get to know them. And so uh, it would be years later until Sarah would actually come to my church and do a ministry training, uh, two years of a ministry training apprenticeship. And there I actually found out that, hey, she actually is willing for me to get to know her. But not only that, that she wants to get to know me. But that relationship wouldn't actually take on its fullness until we actually personally uh, identified and invested in that relationship. And for us, that was getting married. And then we really came to know each other personally and emotionally as we experienced one another. There's nothing like having someone not only be willing uh, to get to know you, but to let them, or to let you get to know them. But then, for them to get to know you, that they would actually love you and want to be invested with you and identify with you. It is a gift to know someone and it's a gift to be known by someone. And sadly, though, you know, marriage, friendships, any relationship where we experience this is a is broken picture of that, isn't it? Because there's times where we are known but not loved, and that's heartbreaking. When we're uh, loved but not known, and it just feels shallow. But there's those relationships you have where you are known and fully known and fully loved. And that is transformative. And that is what it is like to be in relationship with God. That is what it's like to know God and to be known by God. Fully known, fully loved. That is what it means to belong to Jesus. And this kind of relationship is a gift. This is God coming to us. Him letting us know him. This is the greatest gift of what it means to belong to Jesus. And uh, Paul in Galatians says this. Uh, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God. Did you notice the emphasis shift? Know versus known. This shift Paul makes, he puts the prior and primary point, the prior and primary thing about our relationship with God is not so much that we know him, but that he knows us. And this is what Paul is getting at in chapter 1, verse 6, when he says that the gospel has come to you. God takes the initiative. He is the one who knows us and lets us know him. When the Bible talks about God coming to us, it is always linked with God saving us. It's a knowledge that is inseparable from God's personal affection, his redeeming love, his loving faithfulness and watchfulness over those he knows. Knowing and being known by God is at the heart of the gospel. 
And this is what Paul keeps pointing us back to. To think about how we are to grow in our relationship with God. Well, he points us back to the gospel. He points us back to who God is. And this is the most unique uh, part or unique aspect to change. No secular religion, um, no secular, sorry, or religious approach can actually bring this kind of change that we find in the gospel. The The gospel offers us more than just rules. It offers us more than just exhortation. The greatest gift is God himself. And being known by God is at the heart of real change. Because it's the experience of the real you coming into connection with the real God. You know, the other, a few weeks ago I was sick. Sick enough that it was good to go to the doctor. Went to the doctor, they took a blood test, and they found out uh, what was wrong with me. There was some kind of bacteria uh, that was causing yeah, me to be sick, unwell, unhealthy. And so he put me on a course of antibiotics. Now, when I got home, I didn't, you know, take them out of the bag, put them on um, my shelf in the bathroom and stand back and go, damn, there's some good antibiotics. They're good. (laughs) They look amazing. What it says they do on there, man, that's fantastic. And then walk away, never to go back and take them. And then to go back the next day, open the cupboard, damn, they're good. (laughs) Yeah, those antibiotics, (laughs) they're great. No, the point of having antibiotics, the point of finding out what your sickness is, is so that the bacteria and the antibiotic would meet. They have to meet for change, for healing to happen. And it's the same with us and God. We might know what our problem is. We might know what our issues are. We might know stuff about who God is, and that might be true and correct and right. But unless they meet, there's no power in that. There's no change in that. There is no healing in that. They must meet. So we might have all the right ideas about God, But unless it moves from our head to our heart, unless we taste it, we will never experience the God we think we know. I think this is unfamiliar territory for us because if you're anything like me, when I think about what I look to to bring change in my relationship with God, you know, I often would answer it, oh, I'll just study my Bible more. Or go buy a commentary, or go buy a study Bible. That will get me into the Bible more. Um, I'll pray more. I'll spend time in community with other Christians more. I'll go buy some Christian books. Listen to a podcast. Listen to some Christian music. You know, make sure that I'm regularly attending church and growth group. But these are not the prior and primary thing God uses to change us. I'm not saying that that they do not have a place in our Christian life. They do. They are gracious gifts from God as tools 
to cultivate something much deeper. And that something much deeper is an ever-deepening relationship with God. To be personally and emotionally invested and connected with Him. You will not grow as a Christian spiritually if you are unwilling to emotionally connect with God. It won't happen if you are unwilling to be the real you with the real God. You will not grow in your relationship with God. Not being aware or playing down of this emotional experience of God, it just goes to prove that however true our thoughts might be of Him, we have not yet experienced Him. Now, don't hear me wrong. At Southside, we deeply believe that our convictions of God, the things we believe about God, are absolutely crucial. We work very hard on making sure that we're being clear about who God is and who He is not. Our theology matters. When you think of God, what comes to mind, that matters. But what we know about God is meant to draw us closer into relationship with Him. Because it's to experience the God who knows us. Now, if you're not growing a Christian, if you're not growing as a Christian, sorry, how much do you make of being known by God? How much time have you spent lately, as you do open your Bible, to ask the question, how is this passage speaking to who God knows me to be in Jesus? How often are you vulnerable with God, with your emotions, your thoughts, however hard that they might be to face? The thing is, you need to slow down to cultivate that kind of relationship with God. So how willing are you to stop? To stop and just to be with God? We need to hear this because like the Colossian church, uh, it's not easy to make sense of this in life because there's so many other voices speaking in. Paul says uh, to the Colossians in chapter 2, verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by, uh, the, through hollow and deceitful philosophies which depend on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. We face similar things. Things that appear, that sound like or promise to bring a change in our relationship with God but actually they're hollow although they might sound fine. We believe that rocking up to an event will actually change our heart. We believe that if we walk around with a list of do's and don'ts, our heart and our relationship with God will be changed. We believe uh, that if I just cultivate positive emotional experiences with God, that that will bring change. We can believe that we need to have the biblical 
and theo- like theological, you know, dexterity of a gymnast. You know, you, you get it. You know. That these things will bring change. But let's face it, we can do all those things and still be deeply dysfunctional in our relationship with God. You know people who do all of those things and yet their relationship with God is dysfunctional. You know that you might be doing all of those things and yet your relationship with God is dysfunctional. That's why Paul says in the verse we read out this morning together, chapter 2, verse 6, just as you received Christ, continue to live in him. So what does it look like for us to continue in Christ? What does it look like for us to personally and emotionally invest and identify uh, with him moment by moment? Well, Paul speaks to that in, uh, back in chapter 1, the second half of his prayer for them. So let's pick that up together. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood uh, God's grace. For this reason, since the day that we heard uh, about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the, sp- all, uh, the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Now, notice that knowing God and Jesus through the gospel isn't just something that brought change in the past for these Christians. It is central to their change in the present. For them, the gospel has been bearing fruit and growing since the day that they've heard it. But Paul makes a direct connection between our past, present, and future growth being inseparable from the gospel. So now, the now, the now, the present moment of the Christian life is a life that is centred on growing in knowing and being known by God. This involves a self-awareness of who God knows us to be and the wisdom that is the ability to make sense of we walk the streets of life how to apply that as we go. And so, as we push into this, we know that God is actually personally invested and identifies with us because he gives us his spirit. This is a spiritual understanding and wisdom that shapes our day-to-day life. And so, uh, Paul shows us uh, what this looks like and he focuses in um, on this in chapter 2, down to chapter 3. But let's just pick up what he says in chapter 2, verse 20. And 3 verse 4. Since you died with Christ to the elementary spiritual forces of this world, why, as though, as though you still belong to the world, uh, follow their rules? Or why do you still live as though you have not died with Christ? He then goes on to say, since then that you have been risen with Christ, set your heart on the things above where Christ is seated, Set at the right, uh, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died with Christ and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, 
then you also will appear with him in glory. Now notice that to personally invest and identify with Jesus is to be joined with Jesus in his death and resurrection. If we want to know who God is in Jesus, we have to follow Jesus in the pattern of his life. I am no longer invested and identify with the world, but I personally identify and invest with Christ. I set my life, my mind on him. Let me give you an example of what this has looked like for me lately. Lately, I've found myself very quick uh, to defend myself, very quick in moments to jump in with what I think about something, or at work, or at home. One of those moments uh, was Sarah and I were catching up. We hadn't really had much time to sit down and talk, see how we were going. And some stuff was raised about me that really cut me and made me realise as I was exposed to the fact that I wasn't the kind of husband that I wanted to be. That I wasn't the kind of dad that I wanted to be. Moments when Jose was playing on the mat and I was watching the footy. Moments when, you know, I said I would do something, take the bins out, and I didn't. Now, in those moments, I found myself strangely quick, maybe not strangely, far too comfortable perhaps, with jumping in to defend myself. What is going on there? I am not finding my life in Christ. I am not continuing as I began. I am seeking to find my sense of worth by being approved of by my wife or my co-workers at work. So I'm quick to defend myself. I'm quick to give an excuse or a reason why what they think about me is wrong. And so I self-justify myself or I want them to hear what I have to say so that they would turn around and justify me. Rather than in that moment going, yes, I do fall short here. But that actually in Christ I know that I am worthy of God's love. I am known by him. And he knows me to be good and righteous. Because that's what Christ gave me when he died on the cross for me. In that moment, I didn't personally identify and invest in my relationship with Jesus. To invest in that moment would have been to rest in who I was in Jesus. It means to die with him and find life by rising with him. Now, I wish I could stand here and say to you that I have nailed this in my life, but I can't. In fact, as I was thinking about ideas for this, I had so many come to my mind where I dropped the ball on personally investing and identifying with Jesus. Personally identifying and investing in who God knows me to be. The aim and the goal of our Christian life now is to mature in a relationship with God. 
We do this by continuing to bring the gospel to bear on the present moment, living out of who God knows me to be in Jesus. He knows me to be his son, his dearly loved son, beloved child, forgiven, redeemed, holy, at peace with him, free, blameless, made alive in relationship with him. These are some of the words that Paul uses throughout Colossians to describe our relationship with God. We need to realise that if this experience of knowing God and being known by him happens as we die with Christ, as we identify with him, we stop identifying with trying to protect ourselves, put ourselves up on a pedestal, seek approval, control, satisfaction, being right, but find those things in Jesus. And we emotionally connect with Jesus and going, this is hard. I feel rejected. I feel needy. I feel wrong. I feel guilty. I feel empty. I feel like I don't know what I should know. This makes me feel anxious, angry, cold, argumentative, controlling and demanding, asking them to go, how does that change when I identify with Jesus? Well, I know that he's in control. I know that I am forgiven in him. This is the process of what it means to continue to live in Christ. I wonder what difference it would make for our relationships, for our relationship with God and our relationship with others, if we were to ask this simple question, what does it look like for me to live out who God knows me to be? Who God knows me to be. So what does it look like when we live in light of who God knows us to be? Well, the answer comes uh, in that verse, chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, we are built up into him. Paul says that as we continue to live um, out of who God knows us to be in Christ, we are built up into Christ. We become like Christ. Uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 9 to 11 says, Since that you have taken off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, uh, in the, yeah, in knowledge in the image of its creator. We've already heard that the image of the creator is Christ himself. Jesus is the image of God. And so as we continue to bring the gospel to bear on our present moment, we are then changed moment by moment to become more like him. Colossians is jam-packed with his language, like bearing fruit, increasing, filled, wisdom, all knitted together, built up, complete, fullness, renewed, image, fitting, honour, and walk, all these um, words uh, Paul uses uh, to get at what it looks like to be mature. Paul says in one, uh, chapter 1, verses 28, I proclaim Jesus. I bring him to bear on the present moment so that every uh, person, that everyone would be fully mature in Christ. Now, this word mature captures this sense of fullness, completeness, wholeness, perfection. It's a holistic view of the Christian life, spiritual, psychological and uh, physical. But maturity captures the idea 
you know, of someone who has reached a high level of competency uh, in their work. You know, as a doctor, teacher, tradesman. Maturity also has a sense of someone's character being well-rounded. Perhaps the more common sense that, you know, as I say the word maturity, what do you think of? Growing from childishness to adult behaviour. Being mature as opposed to childish. Paul uses the word maturity here is to say that the purpose of the Christian life is to become fully like Jesus, to completely and competently reflect him, to be a well-rounded uh, display of Jesus, to embody him. God's will for you as a Christian is to become like his son. God's will for you is to become like him. Make no mistake, if you are a Christian, your destiny and potential is to become like Jesus. And by being known by God and Jesus, that is at the heart of what drives us to become like him. And so that's what we've been talking about when we're talking about a dangerous vision with these five ministry focuses as we do all of these things, we will actually fully display and portray Christ. But where does the maturity M fit in that? What role does it play? Well, it focuses on the heart, the core, what drives maturity. And that is by focusing on an ever-deepening relationship with God. Focusing on the present moment of bringing what Jesus has done for us to bear on that. To help us focus on what, or on who God knows us to be. This is the ministry of maturity. And it plays out in two ways in the life of church. The preaching on a Sunday um, and in growth groups. Growth groups in particular are a key place where we seek to grow and to guard connecting deeply with God and with one another. Growth groups are a place for, for Christians to come together and be centred and reorientated around Jesus. Growth groups are a place where we are authentic with one another, where we face who we really are by facing who God really is. And it's a place where we then want to experience God's love by being told that afresh from God's word but also experiencing that through one another. And so at Southside, we um, have a ministry, uh, I'm sorry, a maturity commitment that we would love every member at Southside to wholeheartedly commit to. That I'll seek to mature in Christ. First, by taking off the old self and putting on the new. Second, by being an active member of a growth group in which I'll continue to know and be like Christ as we uh, study his word together. What God wants us to know at the heart, the core, the cause of becoming like Jesus, of becoming mature, is being known by God. Whether it's for the first time this morning or for the hundredth time, God wants you to know that at the heart of your relationship with him, at the heart of what is going to grow your relationship with him, 
is being known by God. I'm going to pray for us now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in Christ we learn that you know us, that you know everything about us, and that you still, in your love and pleasure, came uh, to make us yours. That there's nothing there that you don't know that will surprise you, shock you, turn you off. Although, Father, there's much of what we do know about ourselves that provoke that response in us. Thank you that you have made us yours in Jesus. We pray that we would have the grace to know um, more and more who you see us to be, who you know us to be, so that we might live in that, walk in that, continue in that, so that we might become more and more like Jesus. Amen.